Genesis 41, verse 53 says, And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended, and the seven years of dearth began to come home, began to come, according as Joseph had said, and the dearth was in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, and the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, and Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith to you, do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses, and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because that the famine was so sore in all lands. And that's all we'll read uh, for right now. Back and back up to verse 53, though, it says, The seven years of plenteousness uh, that was in the land of Egypt were ended, and the seven years of dearth began. Now, folks, this wasn't a surprise unto Pharaoh. This wasn't a surprise unto Joseph. Joseph had predicted that this seven years of plenteousness and this seven years of famine would come upon the land. And that's why these preparations were made. That's why these storehouses were made. That's why they were putting all this grain in the storehouses uh, was because it was well predicted what was going to happen in the future. There will be seven years of plenty and there will be seven years of famine. Folks, I, uh, I have a feeling right now that we are in the seven years, we are in the seven year, a seven years of famine as far as the gospel of Jesus Christ goes. Now, if you want to take that literally, there's seven years of a dearth all over the world that the scripture speaks of. It talks about it as the, the time of Jacob's trouble. It talks about it as a time that, uh, of hardship and a time of trials, a time of tribulation such as the world has never seen. That would be the seven years of the great tribulation that we're speaking of there. But right now, there is a famine that is not only in our region, not only in our land, in our country, but it is worldwide. There's a famine of the gospel of Jesus Christ being truly preached. There's a famine out there. Uh, I know that there's pulpits. You look around where we, in our region where we are right now. You don't have to drive very far to find the church house. You don't have to drive very far to find the congregation, whether it be a few people or whether it be 500. You don't have to go very far to find people that are gathered in the name of God to worship God and to hear a message from the scriptures of God but regardless of how many messages are preached regardless of how many songs are sang and regardless of how many people are in those congregations there is still a famine in the land there are people who aren't interested in receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ in hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ there are people not interested in being around the family of Jesus Christ. Folks, that tells me that there is a famine in the land, but God has made provision. God made provision for Pharaoh. He made provision for these Egyptians, for a bunch of Gentile, pagan, heathens. My God made provision. He done the same thing 
with the blood of a man named Jesus Christ. He done the same thing for us 2,000 years ago when there was no other way to be made. My God made a way through the blood of His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And the world wants nothing to do with that. The world could care less about it, but nevertheless, the provision is there to be had to whosoever believeth. This dearth, this famine that's in the land, it says, and the seven years of plentiousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended. The seven years of dearth began to come according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when, when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph what he saith to you, do. So this famine, it came first upon the world, and then it came into Egypt, I would imagine that, uh, that the world, their resources dried out first because they didn't have this man Joseph telling their leaders, telling their community people, telling anyone about this dearth that was coming upon the land so it would have dried up all around Egypt before it actually got to Egypt. But even in the country of Egypt, which is a picture of the world at this time, even in the country of Egypt. The famine it waxed sore in the land. The famine was very real. It was a desperate time for these people and it says that the Egyptians came crying unto Pharaoh saying give us bread. Give us that which our body needs. Give us that which will sustain us. Give us that which will give us life. And Pharaoh said I'll do no such thing if you on any of these things, you go unto Joseph, the one that I've appointed, the one that has control of the storehouses, control of the life, control of all that you need. You go unto him. Folks, that sounds like my God over in the New Testament on the mountain of transfiguration when the people there heard the voice of God. What did it say? He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Here is Pharaoh sending his own people to a Jew to get what they need. Amen. That's precisely what we had to do. Yep. These Gentiles wasn't in no different shape. <coughs> Gentiles, heathens, pagans. Not only by birth, but by their culture, by the gods that they worshipped, and by everything else. They were pagans, but this but 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 Almighty God, He took care of these people. He made provision by someone who was not of their race, was not of their nationality, was not of their beliefs, was not of any of these things. This man Joseph, he was set upon high because Almighty God had chosen him. I'm sure before the foundations of the world, just like Jesus Christ was chosen to be the all-sufficient sacrifice before 
the foundation of the world was ever laid. Joseph, he was chosen to save not only the Egyptians, but to save the Jews. He was chosen to have, uh, to have management over these storehouses and to disperse the life that was within them at his own pleasure. And the thing is, when these people came into Egypt needing bread, Joseph, I don't read where he turned anybody away. Not even his own brothers that sold him into slavery. Did he turn them, did he turn away? The people came to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, you go to Joseph. He's over this. The people would then have to go to Joseph. And Joseph would have to disperse the food. Now listen, I understand that he sold this. I understand that he sold it for a price. But folks, when people get hungry, when people uh, when people start feeling that need, I'm talking about physical hunger, when they start feeling that need in their belly, when they haven't eaten for a few days, they will give whatever price that it takes for a morsel of food. Hey, my God, He knew the exact time to send Jesus Christ into the world. He knew the exact time that He should be born, the exact time He should minister, the exact time that He should die and be resurrected. My God is a God of order. He is a God that knows what He's doing. He knew when the world would be most famished for the things of God. He sent Jesus Christ, the only begotten into the world at the perfect time to bring life and that we can have it more abundantly. Praise God. Here's Joseph. Here's Joseph being raised up in a position. Again, <clears throat> being a picture of Jesus Christ. This man, he was brought out of a dungeon. Brought out of a dungeon that legally he should have never been in. He never done anything to deserve it. When, when Potiphar's wife came on to Joseph, that was Satan using Potiphar's wife to lure, try to lure Joseph to try and do something to hinder the plan of Almighty God. Folks, Satan should know better than that. Every time Satan has ever tried to trump God, God has turned around and used Satan's antics, used his tricks, and used his own plans against him. And he does so here. Satan had him in a dungeon over the lies of a woman that, or the lies that this woman told on him. He was in this dungeon, and not only that, but he was down there with the perfect people. He was down there with the chief butler. He was down there with the baker for Pharaoh. They had dreams. They had interpretation. Joseph tells the baker, hey, you're going to die. But he tells the butler, he says, you're going to live. You'll be restored to your possession. But he says, when you get back up there where you belong, please remember me. Remember that I'm the one that interpret this for you. I'm the one that helped you with this. Remember the butler forgot all about him. I dare say Satan had something to do with that too. Uh But God turned that around. It wasn't time for Joseph to come out of that prison yet. This was the time. This was the time that Joseph was to come out. 
Why? Because there was famine coming on the land. And he needed Joseph in a higher position. He needed Joseph in a position of authority. He needed Joseph in a place where he would be when his brothers showed up. Uh, sometime later, after the famine hit up in Canaan, folks, this wasn't just something that was confined to the area of Egypt. It was a worldwide famine as far as the world went back in these days. is as far as this famine stretched it stretched up into Canaan and jo jo Joseph's family made their way down into Egypt that was the providence of an almighty God when the food ran short Jacob sent his boys into Egypt to find food and who'd they run into? Joseph Joseph they ran into the very one they had sold into slavery. The very one they had told lies to their father about. And that coat of many colors. They brought it home. They had dipped it in an animal's blood. And they brought it home to Jacob. And they said, is this your son's coat? Is this his, is this his place? He must have been devoured by some wild beast. Some wild animal. Jacob had thought for all these years. At least 20 years at this point. Jacob had thought that his favorite son was dead. And and he thought that because of the lies of his of Joseph's brethren. And we say shame on him. And we've done some similar things ourselves. Everybody in this room has. We won't get into that. But and folks, that was Jacob's sin. What did Jacob do to his father Isaac? He deceived him, did he not? He dressed up like his brother Esau. He put the goat's the goat skin on his hands all over. By the way, hey, folks, they didn't have cologne and they didn't have deodorant. They didn't have things like that back in these days. At the very most, they would have had some anointing oil of some kind. But I doubt seriously that Jacob or Esau, either one of those boys, wore any of that. He went in unto his father, dressed as Esau, smelling like Esau, acting like Esau and he fooled his father and that sin come back and got him that sin come back and go, hey, the Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. Amen. And when they find you out, God will let you know. And when they find you out, that's your time to repent. When your sins find you out, that's your time to say, God, I didn't mean to do this. God, forgive me. God, I'm sorry. That's our time. Here's Jacob coming down to Egypt. This is after where we've read. But Jacob... Jacob comes out of Egypt. The, the brothers done been down there. Oh yeah. They done been back up. And <clears throat> what did Joseph tell them while they was down there? He said, unless you bring your youngest brother, unless you bring the young one with you, Benjamin, unless you bring him, because, hey, listen, that was his only uh, real full brother. That was, that was uh, Joseph's only full brother that he had. Yeah. It was Jacob and Benjamin, uh, or Joseph and Benjamin, I'm sorry. The rest of them were half-brothers. But that was his only full brother. He said, unless you bring him this time around. Because Jacob wouldn't let him go. Because he said, hey, you've done taking one boy from me. You've done uh, let him get devoured by wild beasts out there in the wilderness. I'm not losing the next best thing. Mm -hmm. So they go back home. The food runs out. Oh, yeah. Jacob yeah. says, y'all need to get back down there. Get us some more grain. Get us some more corn. Get us some more food. They go back down. Well, they tell him what, what uh, the man said when he, when he spoke rough to him, they said. 
Joseph, Joseph did speak rough to him. Oh, sometimes yeah. God speaks rough to us. Uh, sometimes he speaks rough to me. Just about any time you open up that book, God will speak rough to you. At some point in the scripture, I promise you that God will speak rough to you. Hey, I, I shared something on Facebook just this morning that if Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah were alive today, most of the churches wouldn't let them in the pulpits because they would say that they were too negative. Hey, folks, there is nothing negative about the word of God. Jesus Christ said himself to a bunch of religious folks. He said, search the scriptures. You search the scriptures because you think and then you have eternal life but they are they which testify of me. So we can search the scriptures. And whether it be negative or whether it be positive, we'll find Jesus in there somewhere. Hey, Jesus said, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus said, Jesus said, if a man hath not a sword, let him sell his cloak and buy one. Jesus Christ himself said these things. He said, if a man was not willing to leave his father, his mother, his brother, or his sister, he is not worthy of me. That's the words of Jesus. You can see it as positive or negative either way, but it's still the Word of God. And it'll still help us out. It'll bring us, it'll bring us into focus where, where we need to be in our walk with Almighty God. My goodness, I've got plumb off of the Scripture. But that's okay. Praise God. It's all the Word of God. This famine was in the land. I'm going to back up now from wherever I was. This famine was in the land. <clears throat> the people were crying for food. Pharaoh says, go to Joseph. The people start coming to Joseph. Folks, Joseph had all control over this. And because he had all control, he could have said, I'm not feeding you. I'm not feeding you. You looked at me funny three years ago. I'm not feeding you. I'm not feeding anybody. But folks, if they had the money, if they had the price of whatever and people say hey listen to me I, I ain't trying to, uh, to, to get on nobody's toes and I ain't trying to offend anybody but welfare advocates right now they'll say why didn't Joseph just give the food away folks that would have bankrupted Egypt in no time at all if that had happened it would have completely bankrupted the most powerful country on the face of the planet why do you think our country's in the shape that it is right now because we've been giving stuff away for years and we give it away and give it away and now look where we are at. Oh yeah. And I ain't trying to turn this into a political thing either. But folks, that's why it was sold. It was sold because Joseph was in charge of it. Joseph had good uh, had a good brain about it, had a good mind about it. He learned how to manage some things, had he not? Hey, he was put over the prison. When Potiphar had him thrown in the prison, he was placed over the prison at that point. When Jacob sent him to check on his brothers, hey, I don't think Jacob would have sent the boy if he hadn't had some confidence in, in the boy's ability to go scope out the situation, see what was going on, and report truthfully back to him. The boy Joseph had a good head on his shoulders and God put him in this position for a reason and it was so that when the people started begging when the people felt those hunger pains when the people saw their need he could open up the storehouses oh, yeah. folks those storehouses opened up 
2,000 years ago. It was storehouse of grace, storehouse of mercy, store, storehouse of forgiveness. It was storehouses opened up 2,000 years ago by a man named Jesus Christ. And they have yet to be shut. And even better news, they have yet to run out of what they have. There is plenty of mercy, plenty of grace, plenty of forgiveness to go around for everybody. Folks, this, these storehouses, they lasted until after the famine was finished. It provided not only for Egypt, but for all the surrounding nations. Anyone that would come could be fed. Yes, there was a price to it. Oh, yes. This account, money. Once the money ran out, what they do? They sold off their livestock. Uh -huh. They gave their livestock to Pharaoh. Oh, yeah. They gave their land, their possessions, their homes. They gave everything. Folks, when you get desperate enough, and sometimes God has to drag us down to that level, when you get desperate enough, you'll give up everything you got for that which will sustain you, for that which will do you some good, for that which will give you life. Folks, Jesus Christ done that same thing, and God does that same thing by work of the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost shows conviction in our lives, when the Holy Ghost comes upon a lost person and says, you're lost, you're headed to hell, and nothing you can do to get out of it but good news there's a storehouse of grace that's been opened unto you from the veins of Emmanuel there's a storehouse of blessing that's waiting on you from the Father that is up above that storehouse began with the blood of Jesus Christ and it has yet to run out yeah. I forget how many quarts or pints of blood the human body holds but folks, <coughs> literalists will look at that and say that wasn't enough to cover the entire earth or to cover the population of the entire earth. That's because the literalists will look at that and doubt the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. It ain't nothing to do with the amount of blood that was shed. Now listen, I believe that he shed every last drop that he had. What didn't go on the cross was laying in that tomb. And what wasn't laying in the tomb, it was somewhere, I believe, every drop that Jesus Christ had was shed for what? The remission of my sin and the remission of your sin. It had to have been because the blood of bulls and the blood of goats and the blood of turtle doves and the blood of all these other sacrifices was never sufficient to completely wash away sin but the blood of Jesus Christ was and is and will be from here until forever Amen. hallelujah the storehouses were open and Joseph sold unto these people with their money their money ran out and everything else that they had and people say well he shouldn't have done that he should have just given it away folks <clears throat> right now there's something being given away for free salvation grace being given away for free salvation Save, uh, the, the, the offer of salvation has been, has been up for, uh, for grabs whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life whosoever will let him come drink of the water of life freely whosoever will let him do these things and Isaiah it says that oh God, come and buy wine buy milk without money and without trust these people were paying for physical food but there is an offer out there now 
for something of much more value that is without money, without price. We pay nothing, but people are still turning it down every day. And it breaks my heart that that's the case. But if these Egyptians here, if any one of them, if any one of these Egyptians or any other outside land knew that there was bread to be had in Egypt, they knew that those storehouses were there. They knew that there was a ruler named Joseph that if they just brought the price, whatever it was. And folks, listen, Joseph was a good-hearted man too. He might have been stern in his ways. He may have had a good business mind. But I believe that if someone had showed up and hadn't had the money to buy, I think he would have given them at least enough to get them on their way. Amen. Now, the Bible don't say that. But that's what Spencer believes. But if, if, if the knowledge was out there, if there is life in Egypt, there's, there's bread. There's, there's a way out of this mess in Egypt and any one of those surrounding nations and especially an Egyptian didn't make their way to one of those storehouses. And it wasn't just one storehouse in the capital city. It was spread throughout the cities all around. It was spread in the areas all around. It was very strategic the way that it was placed. And folks, it had to have been for, for the pe- so that the people wouldn't have, to, uh, wouldn't have to travel too awful far to get to one of those storehouses. Hey, I praise God that He'll come to where I'm at. I don't even have to leave the house for God to get to me or to get to God for that matter. He will come to where I am at. But these people here, they knew there was bread, knew there was corn. If they didn't go to get it and they died out in the wilderness or they died in Egypt, died where they were out, they deserved what they got. And it is no different with lost people now. And folks, I hate to admit that. I hate to say that because it breaks my heart. But it's true. When salvation is out there and they've heard of salvation and they've heard, heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they've turned down that gospel when they die and go to hell, they got what they deserved. And folks, if I went to hell right now being a saved, born again child of God, I wouldn't deserve it any less. Because I deserve it and you deserve it. Even though we're born again, we, that doesn't that doesn't subtract the fact that we have sinned against the holy God. Therefore, we deserve hell. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ was nothing more in the way, or is nothing more in the way out of hell. He is the way out of out of death. He's out of the way, or he is the way out of eternal death, and he is the way to eternal life. And it's been offered for 2,000 years now. And people still turn it down. People know what the church houses are. People know what preaching is. And people know what the Holy Scriptures are. They know all these things, but yet they snub their nose at it. They turn it down again. If these Egyptians or if anybody in the area had turned down the food because they had ought against Pharaoh or maybe they had ought against Joseph, hey, to be offended at one would have been to be offended at the other. It's no different between the Father and the Son. If you're offended at one, you're offended at both. But if they had turned it down out of spite, they would have died where they was at. And that's what they would have deserved was to die where they was at with no hope of salvation. I'm talking about physical salvation with this here. There's all kinds of pictures of physical salvation in the Scripture. But those... (coughs) 
But those are examples of physical salvation in the Scripture. But those are pictures of, of spiritual salvation. Of the salvation that counts. Folks, these storehouses, they were opened. And they were open for everybody to come to. Everybody to receive that which they need. And there was one man that was appointed over all that. Joseph. And folks, there is one man that's appointed over God's storehouses right now. And that includes the storehouse of salvation. Hey, if God recognizes you, he recognizes you through Jesus Christ. If He washes away your sin, He does it through Jesus Christ. If He's consecrated you, He's consecrated you through Jesus Christ. If your sins have been, have been forgiven, they've been forgiven through Jesus Christ. Nothing was done in Egypt outside of Joseph. Nothing will be done now outside of Jesus Christ. And there ain't nothing we can do to change that mind. The Word of God's forever settled in heaven. <coughs> the folks right now, <coughs> I know Genesis 41 is <coughs> quite a ways away from Jeremiah. But Jeremiah, I believe it's chapter 8, <coughs> says, says the harvest is, the harvest has uh, come, the summer has ended, for the harvest is past. Yeah. The summer is ended. And we are still not saved. Yeah. Folks, <clears throat> this famine lasted for seven years. Seven years. And listen, I don't know how many died during this famine. I don't know anything along those lines about how many people may have died during this famine. No clue whatsoever. But <clears throat> they had their chance. Now, that's not to say they wasn't somebody might have died along the way. Boy, wouldn't that have stunk? Wouldn't that have been a, a bad time to have died within sight of one of those storehouses? To have looked off in the distance, looked out over the desert plain and saw a storehouse and said, that's where I need to get. And then suddenly something kicks in. You die of dehydration. You die, you die of starvation. You die of this. You die of that, of a wild beast. But whatever it is, would it not have been awful to have died in sight of the storehouse? There's people dying every day on our streets, every day in our families, every day in our places of work. There's people dying every day within sight of a storehouse. That storehouse could be you if you're a born again child of God and have the word of God hidden in your heart. You are the only one that can release that word. Get it out there. Get the gospel out there that folks might hear it and be saved. Amen. Otherwise, they're going to die within sight uh -huh. of a storehouse. They'll die with it right there in plain view. The famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine watched sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn because that the famine was sore in all lands. Folks, Jesus Christ made it available to all lands. That was one of the biggest problems that the Jews had with Jesus Christ. They were coming... They were kind of, even after Jesus Christ done died and ascended back to the Father, they were still coming to Paul and the other apostles saying, I'm a child of Abraham. 
He'll say, I'm a child of the circumcision. I'm a child of the law. I've kept this and I've kept that. As Roger taught on Sunday school this morning, that's one of the things they concentrated on was the law. Hey, my Bible says that no flesh should be justified by the deeds of the law. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the end of the law unto salvation. That's what those Jews in the first, the, the first century church needed to understand. And that's why a bunch of Pharisees in today's church need to understand it is not by the law, by keeping the law, it is by Jesus Christ and His shed blood. Amen. And that's all it's by. Can you imagine one of these Egyptians, one of the other people that come to Joseph, or not come to Joseph, but went to a different land and said, Do y'all have sore houses? That's what people are doing now. They're looking for salvation everywhere. Uh-huh. They're looking for salvation in a bottle, whether it be a bottle of liquor, a bottle of pills, looking for salvation in joints, looking for salvation in men and in women and in all the pleasures of the flesh, all the pleasures that this world has to offer. And folks, those things will make us feel good for just a little while. Those things will take the edge off for just a little while. But my God says that He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. Philippians chapter 1 says that He will complete that which He has begun in me. My God is not taking off, not taking me to the curb, not leaving me behind. My God is with me. He's better than any liquor bottle, better than any pill. Any dope, man, woman, or anything else we could possibly think of. And he and that's something that won't be there tonight and gone tomorrow. Uh, that's something that won't leave us with a headache in the morning, uh, too. <coughs> that's something that won't leave us hungover. That's something that will take care of us. Spiritually, it'll take care of us physically. It'll take care of us in every way that we can imagine. My God will take care of us. But folks, the storehouse is there. And sometimes we're the very storehouse. Not that we can save. I can save nobody and you can't either. But the storehouse of God's Word, sometimes He uses uh, us for that. He has it within us. Now, not only that we might not sin against God, as the psalmist says, but so that we can go out and profess Him to the world. So that we can stop down at the 7-Eleven or the Scotchman or wherever it is that we're at. And we can tell the cashier about Jesus Christ. We can tell the person in line how, God, how good God has been to us. Folks, we sometimes are that star house. Don't let people catch sight of us and die in playing near on it. At least give them the warning. Mm-hmm. And if they go to hell after that, oh, if they go to hell after that, blood's not on my hands. And it's not on your hands. If they go to hell after they've heard the Word, after they've heard the goodness of Jesus Christ, folks, as cruel as it sounds, they deserve it. And I deserve it. And you deserve it. We all deserve it. Adam and Eve deserved it. And everybody since then has deserved it. So, if they had knowledge of the truth, much like these people here, if they'd had knowledge of the storehouses and they had completely ignored them, they'd say, I'll just sit back and die. I'll just try and make my own way. I'll sit here and eat sand cakes. What good would that have done them? None. 
They had to go where the bread was. And they had to go to the man that was in charge of it. Jesus Christ. Folks, we can go to God all we want to, but as I've already said, God recognizes us only through Jesus Christ. He forgives us through Jesus Christ. God loves us through Jesus Christ. Anything that God has to do with the human race, it is done through Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because Jesus Christ represents mankind unto God. And He represented God unto mankind 2,000 years ago. Folks, that was when the storehouse was open, and I praise God for it.